Great. Good. Can you hear me back in the family room? Wait. Good. And you have your diagram too. All right. This is our sixth and final session in our Wednesday night series. It's a series that I'm called Get Growing. I think it's one of the most important uh, series I've done. We're investigating and discovering how to grow spiritually as Christians. Um, if you are just joining us or, or if you'd like maybe missed a few, all of these are online at ccsuncity.org. You follow the Bible study link and you can get caught up and they will be there. In fact, I'm going to have a, a special section for them at our website so that anybody who would want to know how they can grow in Christ can get to it easily. So my consistent prayer has been that this series would greatly encourage and equip you for a lifetime of spiritual growth as a Christian. That's the goal. Father, I ask now as we get into this next session, Lord, that you would speak to us in a wonderful way. Greatly encourage your people. Lord, I pray that we would, no matter how long we're, we've walked with you, we would, we would be hungry for more. That we would want to grow, become more mature and more useful in your hands. Father, just bless this time by the power of your spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's again consider this wheel diagram that's been uh, governing our discussion here on spiritual growth. This is a diagram that represents spiritual growth. And we've been looking at all the details. You notice, first of all, that it's a wheel. A wheel implies motion. Our spiritual growth as Christians must be in constant motion. It must be something that we're dedicated to for the rest of our lives. The hub of the wheel is Christ. Jesus Christ is to be the center of our lives as Christians. Everything in our life should revolve around him. He's the Lord. He's in the driver's seat. If you want to grow, you let him drive. The rim represents obedience, where the rubber meets the road, in the everyday going-ons of life. We want to be obedient to Christ in all that he's called us to do in every aspect of life, and we should seek to do that. Then these four spokes represent the four foundational activities of Christian growth. The two vertical represent our interaction with God. If we are to grow as Christians, we should... Be disciplined in the area of prayer, speaking to God. We should also be disciplined in reading the word, letting God speak to us. And then those two horizontal spokes represent our interaction with others, fellowship. If you're going to grow as a Christian, then you need to be engaged. You need to be a part of a church, connected with God's people. Growing each other 
so to speak, as we encourage and motivate each other and working together. It's a big part of growth. And then as we saw last week, witnessing. We are on this earth to witness. And as Christians, we are to know how to share our faith and tell others about Jesus Christ. So that's all the details of this wheel diagram. And we've looked at all of them at different sessions over the last five weeks. There's a very important detail that I want to add to this discussion of spiritual growth. And this detail will add great power to your spiritual growth. In fact, I hope it will make your wheel look like this. We want to turbocharge that wheel. We want to burn rubber. We want to set that wheel on fire. We want to add great power to the process of spiritual growth. And I want you to know tonight that there is great power available. And of course, I'm speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. I have good news for you, Christian. You don't have to live the Christian life alone. You don't have to do Christianity alone. You don't have to grow alone. You don't have to do it all in your strength. Although it does take effort. It takes cooperation to And it takes discipline to engage in all of those disciplines that we've talked. There is human effort, but let me tell you what. There's also the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to you 24-7. And he will turbocharge your life. He will electrify your growth. You know, the night that Jesus was arrested... He had an intimate time with his disciples in the upper room. You remember this? And he celebrated Passover with his disciples. And that was the night that he instituted communion. And he told them something that really troubled them that night. He told the disciples, I'm going away. And where I'm going, you can't follow. And the disciples were like, what do you mean you're going away? We need you with us. Why would you leave us? And it was at that point that Jesus made this promise to them. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus says, yes, I'm leaving, but don't worry. I promise I'm sending another helper who will abide with you forever, who will dwell with you and be in you. And of course, Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit. I will be sending you the Holy Spirit who will abide with you forever, dwell with you, and be in you. That's his promise. Now, I want you to notice, I think, 
a really important word. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. It's important to understand that word, another. There's two Greek words that are translated another. One of those words is the Greek word heteros. And it means another of a different kind. Then there's the Greek word alos, which means another of the same kind. So let me give you a little example. Let's say you have a Rolex watch. And let's say you have a buddy that wants to borrow it. And you're super nice, so you let your buddy borrow the Rolex watch. And of course, he destroys it. He goes out, something goes wrong, he just, and he says, that's okay, I'm going to bring you another watch. And he brings you a Casio. <laughs> that's heteros. Another of a different kind, a different quality. But if he's a good guy, he says, I'm going to bring you another watch, and he brings you another Rolex, the exact same quality as the one that he borrowed from you, that's alos. That's another of the exact same kind. And that is what Jesus uses right here. The Holy Spirit is literally another helper to you just like Jesus. Just like him. Jesus is promising his disciples, that I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. He literally brings the same power and quality of Jesus to you. Another helper. So Jesus promised that and then On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, you remember the 120 disciples were up in the upper room in Jerusalem. They're praying. And all of a sudden, they they heard the sound of wind, like we've been hearing all day long, right? A big, mighty wind, and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, tongues of fire, and they were literally filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus kept his promise. He sent the Holy Spirit. And understand this amazing miracle, this amazing thing. In the church age, the Holy Spirit dwells inside every single born-again Christian. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence in you to dwell with you forever and to be in you and to be a helper to you just like Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Paul says a couple times, 1 Corinthians 2, 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul asked that church in, in Corinth, 
Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? I'll ask you that question tonight. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? That is a spectacular thing to to think about. And, and sadly, there's a lot of Christians who are never taught that. They don't understand that great miracle. Or there's a lot of Christians that forget that. Well, don't forget it. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. Never to leave you. As Jesus walked with those disciples long ago... So the Holy Spirit walks with us today. And it's even been said that we have better access to Jesus himself today than people did when he was physically present on the earth. The Lord Jesus, his helper with you. So now you need to know that as you live live the Christian life. You need to remember that. You need to train yourself. To intentionally be aware of the Holy Spirit with you. You need to be sensitive to him. You need to be listening for him. You need to be watching for him. You need to allow him to lead you. And you need to live a life as a Christian utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And asking the Holy Spirit to take over every single area of your life. I have a a glove in my hand, and this glove can't do anything by itself. But when I put my hand in it, it's magic. And all of a sudden, this glove can do many things. True, it's not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. The Christian is a glove. It is the Holy Spirit in us the hand who does the work. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger in the glove is filled. And believe me, the Holy Spirit wants to fill every area of your life and empower you and strengthen you. And he's there for you every single day. Okay, so let's put this wheel diagram back up. And I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit seeks to empower all four of these spiritual disciplines in your life. We are called to do all these disciplines to give effort to it. But I want you to know that the Holy Spirit inside you will electrify. Each one of those disciplines. So let's start with prayer. As Christians, we are to have this discipline that we call prayer. And the Holy Spirit will help you. Look what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, there's a lot going on in that verse, but understand this. That verse tells us that the Holy Spirit is intimately, intimately involved in your prayers. The Holy Spirit leads you in prayer. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray according to God's will. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you with groanings that you can't even hear. He is intimately a part of your prayer life. Now, when we talked about the discipline of prayer, I challenge you to set aside time every day in what we call a quiet time and and to have that time where you get along with the Father and you pray. And I'm going to tell you, there are going to be times where you don't want to do it. You know, it's like going to the gym. You never want to get there. But once you get there, it's okay. Have you noticed that? But there are times when you don't feel like you have that energy to pray. But I want to challenge you. Go into your prayer closet anyway. Bow your head and begin to pray. And let the Holy Spirit fire you up. And he will begin to move in and through you. Now, I also mentioned when we get alone together, alone with the Lord in our prayer closets in that time, I showed you that, you know, you have a prayer list, have a prayer journal, have a schedule that you kind of go through where you're praying for different people at different times of the week. Listen, do that, but always, always allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt. Hear him. He may begin to direct you to pray in a way that you never even thought about for that person that you pray for. Listen for him. Follow his lead. Now, there are going to be times when you pray and you don't even know what to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Be comforted that he prays even when you don't understand it. The Holy Spirit is big on prayer. And he will help you. Now, when we talked about the discipline of prayer, I also challenge you. There's a verse in the Bible that says to pray unceasingly. That means we're to pray all the time. And remember, that means that we're to have a daily, uh, moment-by-moment awareness of God's presence with us. And we're daily, moment-by-moment, our minds are going to him and we're talking to him and we're communicating with him. And, And just... Sense the spirit in your life, moment by moment, and speak to him. And hear him. I also challenge you in the discipline of prayer that we would be those who would get engaged in what's called corporate prayer. Where we're regularly praying with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And... and, if you're part of the men's group or the women's group, or you get to be a part of a small group, and I highly recommend that you do that, that there's this group of Christians that you pray with and you have a prayer meeting and the Holy Spirit can direct those meetings. In fact, when I'm in a prayer meeting, a lot of times my first prayer is Holy Spirit, take over, lead us in this prayer meeting. And he will, he will do amazing things and he will fire you up and get you excited. 
There's a great story in, in Acts chapter 4 where Peter and John, they're arrested. They get arrested for preaching. And they're, they're being beaten and hassled by the religious leaders. But the religious leaders are going to let them go. And they said to Peter and John, okay, we're going to let you go. But don't you preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Don't even mention Jesus. And so they left jail. And you know where they went? They went to a prayer meeting. The men and women of God showed up. They got on their knees and they began to pray. Acts 4 says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Do you believe the Holy Spirit still does things like that? Holy Spirit actively engaged in prayer. Okay. How about the Word? So if we're going to grow as Christians, I, I challenge you to be lifelong students of the Bible. To be reading the Bible regularly, to be studying it, to be hearing it taught. Well, you need to know that the Holy Spirit is active in bringing the word of God to his people. The Holy Spirit will help you to understand the Bible. In fact, you can't understand the Bible unless you have the Holy Spirit inside you. Do you know that? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I don't know if you ever thought about the great privilege that you have as a Christian. Because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, he will illuminate the Scripture to you and you can understand the Scripture. The natural man... The non-Christian, man, to that person, the Bible is a mysterious book. Moody used to say, the Bible with the Holy Spirit is a sundial by moonlight. You don't have the sun. You don't have the equipment. But when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you, now... You can understand the word of God. Jesus made this promise concerning the helper. He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will what? Teach you all things and bring to your what? Remembrance. All things that I said to you. Understand, the Holy Spirit inside you is a teacher. And he will teach you the truth. He will teach you the scripture. He's your personal tutor. Think of that. 
Schools talk about teacher-student ratio, and the lower the better, right? You got the best as a Christian. You got one-on-one. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you, and Jesus said, I promise, he'll teach you the truth. So every time you open your Bible as a born-again Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, he's there to instruct you, to teach you. He'll teach you doctrine. He'll teach you morals. He'll teach you all these different things. The Holy Spirit also as a teacher has equipped some to be teachers in the body of Christ. And as you hear some teach the word of God, you'll know that the Holy Spirit is using them and you'll learn. As a born-again Christian with the Holy Spirit living inside you, you have his discernment where you'll be able to spot false teaching. That's so exciting to me. You don't have to be afraid. In fact, one of the first proofs that you are a true born-again Christian is that the Bible becomes exciting to you. And you start to understand it. And you hunger for it. And you begin to read it and devour it. And the Spirit begins opening your eyes, illuminating truth. And you just grow. The Holy Spirit brings that word to you, feeds you, nourishes you, equips you, encourages you. It's beautiful. Not only does he teach us, it says that he brings to our remembrance all these things. So as you're studying God's word as a Christian, not only is he going to teach you, but he's going to put it in there. He's going to help you to remember it. And so as you go about living your day as a Christian, he's going to remind you of truth that you learned in the word. He's going to teach you how to apply it practically in your life day by day. I can't tell you how many times where I started off in the morning, I read the Bible and the Holy Spirit showed me something. And then that day I got to use it. That very day. Like the Holy Spirit gave me a word that I need to give to somebody else in terms of counseling that very day. He will guide you into all truth. You know, You know what I like the best about phones? The map. And the GPS locator. I get lost anywhere. And you can ask Kim. Kim has to direct me all around town. You know, and I know that's not the stereotype. But I, I do not know where I'm. The greatest application invented is Google Maps, in my opinion. Because I can say to my phone, take me to such and such an address. And then I set the phone down and this nice lady says, turn right in 100 feet. Go several miles and turn. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's just incredible to have that step-by-step direction. I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is your 24-7 onboard spiritual navigator. And he wants to lead you. He wants to teach you God's word, make it stick, and show you how to use it. And he'll actually use it in your life practically, day by day. So every time you're reading your Bible, 
Listen. Holy Spirit, teach. Show me. And he'll do so. Okay, you get into the horizontal spokes. And so we have the fellowship. And and we're to, this is to be an active part of our lives as Christians. If you want to grow, you're to be a part of fellowship. That means you are to regularly spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. The greatest friendships, the most important relationships in your life should be with other Christians. And you are to engage with them, grow together, motivate one another, support one another. The Holy Spirit is intimately involved in that. You look in the book of Acts and you will watch how the Holy Spirit moves his people together. He'll move you to the right fellowship, where you need to be. He'll help you meet the right people, I promise. And then one of the most important parts about Christian fellowship is us getting together and encouraging each other and supporting one another and encourage, and, and convicting one another, comforting one another, caring for one another, all of that, loving one another. Jesus said that we are to love one another as he loved us. Now that can be very hard sometimes. Because remember in fellowship I told you, please know when you join a church it ain't perfect. And there are different personalities and different issues that you will have with different people and you'll get your feelings hurt. You'll have to learn how to forgive. But I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit will help you to love. Romans 5, verse 5, says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the whom? The Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you realize the Holy Spirit literally wants to pour out the love of God in your heart? And just Fill your heart with love. The love of God. 1 John 4, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. So, as you get involved in the fellowship, and in interacting with your brothers and sisters in Christ... The Holy Spirit is going to give you love and connect you with others and teach you how to forgive and how to support. He's active in that. Remember also that when we spoke of fellowship, true Christian fellowship is not just gathering together, it's assembling together. It's like we're parts of a machine And we get together, and we assemble, and we're a part of a body, a family, a unit that works together in completing the work that God has for the church, which is making disciples. And I mentioned to you, when we talked about that, that there are all kinds of different places. There's different callings for every Christian in the church, some Some are up front and seen. Some are behind the scenes. There's all these different ways that you get involved in the church. And you all have a different spiritual gift. Well, guess who gives the gifts? 
Guess who, who puts you in that spot in the body Christ where you need to be? There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That verse clearly teaches that every born-again Christian is given a spiritual gift. By the Holy Spirit, you have at least one spiritual gift. And I believe you, I believe every Christian gets a package of spiritual gifts. Which relates to how they are to be involved in the work of the Lord in the church. Both local and universal. So, the Holy Spirit puts you in a family and shows you where to fit in that family. He's actively involved in that. And you seek him on that. All right? One last spoke. Witnessing. We talked about this last week. All of us as Christians are to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will make you a witness for Jesus Christ. I showed you this verse last week, but look at it again. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until this promise of the Holy Spirit would be received. And he said to them, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit empowers you to be a witness in every area of your life. And I'll tell you what, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, those apostles were empowered. God used them in mighty ways. In fact, it's kind of interesting to study the life of the apostles in the gospel accounts. They're all kind of silly in the gospel, aren't they? You know, we think of them as these spiritual giants, but in the gospels, they're, they're frail. Peter denies knowing the Lord, remember? Even denying knowing the Lord to a little servant girl. They all seem clueless. But then you read about those same apostles in the, in the book of Acts, and what do you see? You see men of God on fire. You see Peter preaching the gospel before the very people that crucified Jesus. You see them being bold in, in prison. You see them being gifted and used by the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. The Holy Spirit empowers Now, I promise you, he will empower you to be a witness. And, and I would say that this fourth spoke, evangelism and witnessing and sharing, I think that's one of the most neglected ones for Christians. I think I'll, the stats aren't good on how many Christians have led other people to Christ. But I think that's because of a lot of Christians don't know that you have the help of the Holy Spirit. 
as you go and share your faith, I promise you, you will feel the Holy Spirit play you like an instrument. He will empower you. He will give you the right words to say. Because Jesus promised that he would empower us as witnesses. Now, I mentioned last week when we were talking about witnessing, I think the most important way for us as Christians to witness is what I would call lifestyle evangelism. And lifestyle evangelism is where you are a Christian, you're a witness right where you work, right where you go to school, right in your sphere of life. And the most important thing you can do as a Christian is be different. Is to shine right in the midst of those people that you see every day. Show Jesus to them. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes you change. The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms you. He's the one who makes you different. Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So please understand, that's the fruit of the Spirit in you. That's not the fruit of your own hard work. It doesn't say the fruit of the Christian is love. It certainly doesn't say the fruit of Terry is love. No, the fruit of the Spirit living inside Terry is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. See, as a Christian, with the Holy Spirit living inside you, he transforms you, he changes you. Maybe before you were a Christian, you had all kinds of anger and hatred and bitterness in your life. And people remember you that way. But after you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit starts to work in your life, all of a sudden he begins to produce that fruit of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness. And people see a different in your life. They see a changed man, a changed woman. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live a life that's different from everyone else in your life. And then... People are going to say, what's up with you? Why are you so joyful? Why are you so peaceful? So allow the Holy Spirit to do that. And then remember what I said last week also about witnessing. There has to come a point in your life where you know how to communicate the gospel. Where you know how to share the gospel. And I, I challenged you last week to remember those Four fundamental bullets when you're sharing the gospel with someone. I challenge you to also put down your personal testimony and how you would share how Jesus has changed your life. And we talked about different ways to share the gospel. Put in that work. Put in that effort. But remember that verse again. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. When you begin to witness, you'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit will bring up. And some of you are like, I don't know if I could do it. Listen, get the first word out. 
Just open your mouth. And then you, the Holy Spirit will take over. As you have the opportunity to share the gospel with others. And you will be utterly amazed at what he will bring to your memory. How he will use you to speak just the right words. When I was... Uh, when I graduated from the School of Ministry at my home church back in Albuquerque, we went to Eastern Europe, and we were on a mission trip there for like a month. And we did a lot of street evangelizing. And I will never forget, we were in the plaza, and me and a, a couple other Christians started witnessing to these two ladies that were in the plaza. Come to find out, they were prostitutes. And we got to absolutely share Christ with them, and we led them to Christ. And you know what the Holy Spirit led me to as I shared with them? John chapter 8, when the woman was caught in adultery, and how everybody came to bring stones and judge her. And I got to share how the Lord can forgive, and he won't condemn you. And I led them to Christ. And then after that, I I had to remind them what Jesus said, go and sin no more. You're different now. Perfect. I remember I told you how uh, our BSU director at New Mexico State, every week we'd go out on campus and just cold cold call, just approach people, uh, you know, on a bench and just begin trying to engage with them and share the gospel with them. And I'll never forget, we came against this guy we found out he was a Christian, but he was a backslidden Christian. He was a kind of a rebel. He said, I'm a Christian, but I'm doing my thing right now. And I remember talking to him and trying, well, well how do you spend your time? What do you do? And he, and he talked about how he liked to spend all of his time at this bar called the Triple R Bar, which was a famous bar, a country western bar called Triple R in Las Cruces. And the Holy Spirit made me think of Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Where the church at Ephesus had lost its first love. And the way back was the triple R. Return, repent, and repeat what you did at the beginning. That's a well-known sort of outline that comes out of that verse. And so I, I told this guy, let me, let me tell you about Revelation chapter 2, 5, and every time you go to the triple R bar, you can remember the triple R's of Re- Revelation 2, verse 5. And it impacted him. It had an impact. And that was so Holy Spirit-led. Story after story after story after story. Let the Lord use you. You don't have to be a seminary student. You don't have to know all the answers. You just need to be willing. Let the Holy Spirit empower you. So, let him turbocharge your life. Amen? You don't have to do Bible reading all by yourself. You don't have to do prayer all by yourself. Fellowship all by yourself. Witnessing all by yourself. You don't have to live the Christian life all by yourself. You have the Holy Spirit. Never forget him. 
and train yourself to depend upon him. Amen? Let's bow with the close with a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that even now you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. You told us you wouldn't leave us orphans. And I pray that we would be sensitive to who you are. We would get to know you better. And Lord, I pray that you would um, electrify our, our Bible reading, our prayer time. That you would lead us in just the right way in fellowship and where we fit and belong in the church. I pray that you would empower us to live lives that are different in front of others. And then give us the words to speak. In Jesus' name, amen.